Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Angley Floris, with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 315, and just want to, as always, give a, a, a thank you to everybody who tuned into last week's show. This week... We've got news from the last week, so a bit round of a roundup there. Quick review of our match up at Hartlepool from this weekend. And we've also got very special guest making his Orient Outlook podcast debut. Paul Smith is waiting for us on the phone right now. So without further ado, let's crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our sponsors. We certainly do. So the podcast is sponsored by Carol Angley Flores, who are an established business. They are based in Chinkford and they specialise in bespoke flowers sourced from the finest growers in the world. They can do anything from a simple thank you to massive wedding and event packages and they offer all O's fans and staff a lovely 15% off that could give you quite the saving if you have a lot of money or a big event coming up. So to get in touch with John and their fantastic team, you can give them a call on 0208 529 4130 or they guys are on social media, they're on Twitter, you can find them at Carol Langley E4 or you can find John Head Honcho at Essex Biz, you can find the team on Instagram at Carol Langley Florist and you can also find the guys on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist. Nicely done. So let's, without further ado, move on to our special guest who is joining us on the phone this evening. He is our number seven. He has turned out to be an astronomical signing for us. He is the London Football Awards EFL Player of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Paul Smith, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, this evening, Paul. Great to have you on. Let's kick off straight away because we know that time is precious this evening. Uh, tell us your thoughts on yesterday's game. Um, no, I thought we kind of dominated the game as, as per usual and most of the games this season. And um, obviously getting the one 0 in the lead just at the start of the second half, um, and then conceding was just a bit a bit frustrating towards the end of the game because. Throughout the whole season, we've been seeing games out and seeing the one 0 wins out, two 0 wins out, and obviously conceding that later on and losing the momentum of the game. It was just heartbreaking because the teams below us kind of lost, and the points would have went in our favour. But again, it's just one of those things. It's football; it happens. Thankfully, we got another game on Saturday, a big one as well, um, Carlisle. So yeah, I can't really, can't really put much more to it. You mentioned not seeing the game out. Is that um, something that um, what the am I looking for? Uh, it's crept into has crept into the game. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think it was just um, one mistake, literally just one mistake, and, and caused them them a goal. Um, but other than that, I thought, like I said, we dominated the whole game and. I don't think Hartlepool really had a, a sniff in the first half, nor the second half, until they actually scored. And they just started building momentum from there. And it was just tough for us to, to get our momentum back. So it was just kind of just to see the game out and take the point and get on to Saturday. So I don't think it's crept into the game. I just think it was just one of those unfortunate moments where someone makes a mistake and then they capitalise on it. Yeah, similar situation. I think the, the, the kind of root, root of that question was we held a sort of decent 2-0 lead uh, up until the sort of 87th minute last week against Colchester um, and then obviously ended up drawing the game. So again, the positive out of it is that we're not losing games, but by the same token, we've dropped points from winning positions. Of course. Of course, it's football in general, to be fair. I think 
Um, like I said, momentum is one of the biggest things in football. Once you gather that momentum, you got the crowd behind you, especially away from home. It's tough. They got the home fans with them and, and things like that. And especially towards the end, back end of the season, some teams are fighting for relegation. Some teams are fighting to get into the top four. So no matter what game you play from now to the end of the season, it's going to be tough. I think we just got to play to who we are and play how we play. And, and hopefully we can see the season out. And you obviously scored your 10th goal of the season yesterday, Paul. Talk us uh, through that one. No, it was, um, I think, a good build-up play. Played out from the back and, and got the ball wide to, to Sully. Sully cut inside, <coughs> plays the Monks, and, and I just stayed wide because I knew the fullback ten, tends to be very, very high. And I was just hoping at the time that he was, he was high, and he was. Monks cut inside in the middle of the pitch, played at to me, and I had a chance to go 1v1 with the defender, and that's my bread and butter. It's something I enjoy doing, and... Cut inside on my left foot and thought I'd have a shot. Why not? Because hmm. I've scored a couple of goals this season and I'm just enjoying <laughs> my football at the time. And thankfully, we're into the back of the net, but it's unfortunate we can get the three points. You came off during yesterday's game as well. What what happened? I think I heard that you sort of on the commentary that you'd sort of taken a bit of a knock on the ankle. Like, are you okay? Are you suffering today? <laughs> I'm just stiff today, but no, I'm all good. Uh, just a bit of swelling and just been icing all day to get the swelling. Then I'll be fine for uh, for Saturday, which is a good thing. It's been an amazing season for the club so far, Paul. Thirty-seven games in, the OSIT top of the league with just nine games left. What are your What are your thoughts on the season so far? It's been a fantastic season. I think um, this season we've broke so many records as well, which is always a positive thing to do. And, I don't think we've dropped from the t- from the first position the whole season. So it says it itself. We're there for a reason, and, and it, it shows. And teams around us obviously will fear. And, and when we go to their place, um, like we've been doing all season, we've been, been putting teams to bed and, and and playing to the way the gaffer wants us to play, which is just a full flow and attack of football and team and defend the box well and attack the box well. So I think this season's been absolutely brilliant for me as well because. Obviously, personally, last year was probably the worst season I've had over here um, with the amount of injuries I had. And I just wanted this year to be strong and to stay fit and just show what what I can actually do and showcase to the people that I'm actually a good player because not really many people used to see that last year. Um, so I'm just happy to, to continue to stay fit and then play as many games as possible. Could you feel that at the back end of last season? So obviously you were injured for quite a bit of the last season but then came back quite strongly and then scored some amazing goals at the back end of last season. Could you feel your momentum at the back end of last season carrying you through into this season? I, massively. Um, I just think it was uh, positivity as well because once I got my first injury, I thought, right, once I come back from here, that's me. Came back one game, got injured again. I, I, again, it happened to me, came back one game, got injured. And it was just like, I got to the stage where I was like, what's the point? Because it was just getting so frustrating and I never knew when I was going to get my time to shine and show what I can actually do. And um, thankfully, towards the back end of the season, I think it was the last 13 games or something, I was fit for all of them. And um, it was just giving me that courage and momentum, like you said, to push on towards the next season. And I think, obviously, my missus having a child and having a little son has given me that drive to see out the end of the season and and try and play for something and play for a contract obviously because I've got something to play for now and I need to provide and things like that so it's obviously having things in the background as well is always good to help with momentum and positive thoughts and, and keeping keeping playing style well so 
yeah, I think the momentum last year pushed me on towards the start of this season and to where I am now. I've been doing well. You've scored, as you mentioned, as we mentioned earlier, you've scored 10 league goals this season. Can you pick a favourite? I mean, you've won a couple of goal of the month competitions <laughs> uh, along the way this season as well. Do you have a favourite goal so far this season? Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would say Doncaster, the overhead kick, because mm. I've never ever scored one. I've actually attempted it before when I used to play for Linfield. It was in a friendly against Sheffield United under 21s. I tried an overhead kick and hit the crossbar. Unfortunately, it didn't go in, but it's a very rare moment. It never really happens in football, and when it does, it's a special special moment. So I'd probably say the Doncaster one, um, and second to that would be the Barrow one last year, scoring from the, the touchline. It was just yeah. it was just a goal that I've never never scored, and it was just brilliant. That was an unreal goal. Unreal, I yeah. commend you on that. Is that was that the best? Are they the best two goals of your career, Paul? Or have you scored better uh, previously? I think they're all different. Like the meaning behind them, to be fair, because I'd say up there would be scoring on my debut for Northern Ireland first team. It's against South Korea at Windsor Park. I think that was always massive to to get a chance to play for your country. is It's just amazing and to even score on your debut just makes it even better so that would be up there but like I said it was just the, the moments of goals are, are just makes it that little bit special In terms of this season um, I mean you've mentioned uh, the momentum that, that, that you picked up at the back end of last season that seems to have taken uh, you into this season uh, and it's, it's treating you very well so far and you've won the EFL Player of the Year at the London Awards how did you how did you feel when, when your name was called out as the winner of that particular award? Um, obviously amazed and then proud because of, again, I don't like talking about it, but last year was tough for me and I just, when my name was called out, I just chuffed because of how it's been so far for me when I came to England. It's been a roller coaster up and down and when Richie Wellens came in, he gave me the trust and the faith in me to perform to who I am and I've been able to do that this season and I've been getting rewards and it obviously makes it even sweeter and just shows that the quality that I have is there. It's just being able to, to showcase it and like I said, with the gaffer giving me that freedom, people are recognising what I can do and, and hopefully I can keep pushing forward this season. But again, people dream about getting rewards like that and, and being invited to, to ceremonies like that and it was just a massive occasion. The names there were just crazy I've never ever thought I'd be in a room with so many names like that and even to pick up an award it was just even sweeter Do you set yourself targets at the beginning of each season like I don't know how many games you play how many goals you score how many assists do you do you set yourself stuff like that and sort of where are you tracking at the moment Yeah um, I think every footballer would like I'd like to think every footballer would set themselves targets and goals just to give them that little bit of edge to, to try and hit that target um, but mine's obviously because the last year was to play 30 games or more and that was my target and if anything else came with that that's just a bonus to me and thankfully this season I've, I've played I've played 30 so I can hopefully just continue on until the end of the season and play the remaining nine games of the season so that was that was my target and I've hit it now I'll probably set another one just to see out the season and <laughs> hopefully see very well yeah you mentioned Richie Wellens giving you the freedom to play and be creative. What what makes Richie Wellens such a 
a good manager. So from our perspective, it seems like he's a really good fit for Orient. It's been an amazing year. But from a player's perspective, Paul, what makes Richie such a good manager? He's young um, and he understands the game. He understands, he's been a part of it. He's played in it. He's been treated well, been treated poorly. Like he just, he, you know, he understands a footballer itself, and I think that's what makes it even better because his man management to players is, is outstanding, and, and that's what I think. That's why you see us play so well because everyone's together. It's a close, tight knit group, and it's probably one of the best team rooms I've been a part of. And obviously, the, the staff are there as well, included. It's been absolutely brilliant, and obviously, he knows football really well. His tactics are brilliant. He watches the games really closely and, and gives us options to to play. Um, and we just got to provide for him on on the Saturday, which is always a, even better when you win. Um, but like I said, yeah, his man management's been absolutely brilliant this season and I think he's just gives the, the licence and the freedom to for us to play football and enjoy it again. We feel that when we listen to his, um, his pre-match and post-match, there's a lot of fine detail that helps to influence how we're going to set up against teams. Is, does that help you? Do, do you get kind of like one-on-one, one-to-one feedback and look, this is what you're going to be up against, this is what they like to do? Because you mentioned earlier about the uh, Hartlepool fullback coming quite high. Does that help you and influence how you then play in the game? Massively, yeah. Um, once I find out that the Hartlepool fullback goes so far forward, or wing-back, should I say, goes so far forward, it leaves me one-on-one with the centre-half. And that's my dream because I know I'm quicker than probably any centre half in this league. So <laughs> once I get one on one, it makes my life so much easier. And and the gaffer was just like to me, stay high, pin him back as far as you can, don't come back, let Brownie defend. And I've kind of felt sorry for Brownie because he had to defend against two v one. But Brownie's a brilliant player. He plays. He's in the team for a reason. And I was just sitting so high just to get the ball and and go one v one. And I think the first half showed that, and second half showed it again when I got my goal. So, Paul, we had a lot, a lot of listener questions when we announced you were coming on the podcast. There was a lot of questions around a new contract being signed. Are you able to give any updates on that? Um, I literally have no update at the moment, but obviously, hopefully, something in the end of the season that comes my way will be even better. So, unfortunately, I have nothing to, to update you with at the moment, but we'll just wait and see. Cool. Um, in terms of uh, Les LK52 said, how confident are the squad they can get over the line? Which I'm assuming he means promotion, but I mean, obviously we're, we're first. It'd be a shame not to be promoted as champions, but just in terms of promotion, how, how confident are the squad in, in delivering on that? I think you have to be confident in general when you're playing football. You play football to win trophies, everyone does. Um, and at the position we're sitting in now is, is obviously unbelievable from the position we were last year. Um, but I don't like getting too far ahead of myself. I like to take game by game and, and focus on a game at a time because you can't get too excited because you never know what could happen. So I think the boys are excited and, and the change rooms, the buzz around it is, is brilliant. Um we're all happy, we're all full of beans and hopefully we can just kick through and push on. So we'll wait and see. We've got nine games to go and, and hopefully we can finish the job. In terms of wins, well, like, there's not been too many losses this season, um, but do you kind of let your, allow yourself to celebrate the wins and kind of do you get a little bit down with 
like losses or anything like that does it affect you that way or are you pretty consistent uh are you not getting too high with the highs or low with the lows how do you respond I am the most bipolar person in the world. <laughs> I score, I'd be the happiest man on the earth. If we lose, I just get frustrated. But since since having a having a kid, it um sometimes makes you just forget about football. When you come home you yeah. just switch off and you focus on family time because yeah. you can't bring bring the negatives home if, if there are any negatives, obviously bring the positives home because it's a good thing and it's a good feeling. But I just think yeah, I'm just a big bipolar person. <laughs> <laughs> We had a few um, tweets about some of the chants that the Orient fans have got for you. So we had uh, Nuriel2 who said, what, what are Paul's thoughts on the Paul Smith's on fire chant? Uh, and we also had Gary Torbert saying, does Paul rate the Joy Division song, which is obviously the Smith, Smith will tear you apart again. Do you have a favourite fan chant? I love I love the Paul Smith's on fire. Um, only because when I scored on my international debut, um, I had the whole cop singing it at Windsor Park they sang mm. that song and it was just like one of the best moments I've had in football so oh, wow. to hear the, the Orient fans sing it again and bring it back it's just it's brilliant Bring brought back a lot of memories and hopefully they continue singing it until the last last game of the season yeah. so I'd say the Postmas on fire yeah that'd be yeah. the best one uh, Run and Ref with GC asked are you permanently based in the London area your family are all, all, all with you uh, are you set up here because obviously uh, you know, you've come from, from Ireland are you kind of settled here in London now um, yeah um, unfortunately we don't have any other family but me and my missus and my little man so sometimes it gets <laughs> tough for her um, which is always hard because I don't like seeing her upset but it does get tough for her and when she has no mum or dad around to support her when I have to stay in a hotel sometimes it, it gets tough so uh, yeah we're, but we're all settled we are we're happy we're happy where we are and, and, I'm, and I'm enjoying enjoying football and as you can see on the pitch I'm playing with a smile on my face and that's obviously because I'm happy at home as well yeah absolutely very important PDR1112 says what player past or present do you try to base your playing style on and why um I would love to say George Best. I've seen so many clips of him and he just seemed like janky, sharp. Even on the pitches he played on were absolutely diabolical, but he just seemed to make the ball stick and it worked and he was just admired to watch a player to dribble with the ball. He was just a brilliant dribbler and he took on so many players. But like Messi as well. I mean, I'm the same height as Messi, so <laughs> I think I can claim. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say Messi and, and George Best because the way they dribble and... and the way they attack football and just enjoy it and play with a smile on their face and that's the way I like to play my football. Peter Foreman 2 asks, has one of your somersault celebrations ever gone wrong? Not touch wood, not Good. at the moment, but when I was a kid, um, I was shown off in front of my friends and was like, oh, look what I can look what I can do. So I thought, oh, let me do a backflip for them. And as I've done my backflip, I didn't commit with it and I landed right on top of my head. Oh. So I've, I've got up as a kid, I was thinking, I've got to be brave here. I've got to run home and, and be brave as if like nothing happened. So once I got to my front door, I was just screaming in tears because <laughs> it was so painful. But... No, at the moment when I since I turned professional, nothing's went wrong. So touch wood, it stays that way. Can I, and you, I, no, go on. I think did I read or hear you were a gymnast younger on, and that's where it's all stemmed from. No, I've, everyone asks me this. I've never, ever, ever done gymnastics. <laughs> never. I've always, I've always done trampoline. You know, I've always had a trampoline right. in my back garden, mm-hmm. and I've always been that little rebel that likes to try new things and, and play on the dangerous side of things. And 
I always tried to do my backflips, front flips, and things like that. So I think that's where, that's where I learned it from, and that's I've always loved trampolining. I did GCSE PE, and I had to choose a sport, and I chose trampolining over football. So mm. that was okay. when I was younger, and I've just took it on to the grass, and I'm just enjoying it. And it's a celebration. It's like a trademark, and everyone knows mm. it and, and loves it. So I can't really change it. <laughs> Rob Ben five nine eight zero four six one five said prior to your most recent injury, how close do you feel that you were to a recall to the Northern Ireland squad? Um, I think I was back fit when the team was called out, so I actually thought I was going to get called up with a, with the a form that I was in. I mean, I had nine goals and I was probably the most informed player at the squad at the time. And when the squad came out. I didn't see my name and I was obviously frustrated and upset because I was doing so well. But then if I had to get chosen, I'd have missed a couple of late Orient games. So I kind of think there's a silver lining to everything. And, and obviously for me to not be picked, but to play the two games that I would have missed out on if I was chosen was the silver lining. So yeah. again, it's frustrating, but it's football. Billy Reid kind of had a, a question around the, your international career, Paul, asking about the Euros next summer. Is that is that a long-term goal for you to get into that Northern Ireland squad? Of course, yes. Everyone wants to play in a European championship. Um, I was 16 years of age when I got called up to the Northern Ireland squad um, when they were at the Euros in France. And it was one of the best experiences ever. I wasn't a professional at the time, and that gave me the drive to be like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a professional footballer to get to stages like this and I think that's what had that was my drive to push me to get to where I am now and yes of course everyone wants to get the uh, European Championship and hopefully hopefully touch wood we get there and I'm picked in the squad um, Bit of a, a thinking question here for you Boatsy asks can we ask you what your ideal five-a-side team would be? Is this out of the Lutonian team or just in general? It was a general one. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get you into trouble with your teammates. Yeah. So let's just say it's a general <laughs> We're not one, setting mate. you up for a fall here. Mate. But if you want to do Leighton Orient, then that's absolutely fine. I don't know how many of the players listen. I'd say Roy Carl and Nets. I'd go Sergio Ramos, centre-back. I think he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. I'd go... Who would have Modric in midfield? I just think he's a masterclass, and he just mm. makes football look so easy, and it's just a joy to watch. And then I would go with Messi because he's a brilliant dribbler, and I'd throw myself in there. Why oh, not? Yeah, play with of those You'd either have to be the manager or the front man, one of the two. No, I would love to manage them to see what it'd be like, see how hard it actually would be to manage <laughs> all those personalities. <laughs> Paul, I've never seen Messi put one in top bins at Brisbane Road, mate, so you've definitely got something over Messi. Power League in Fairlot. <laughs> <laughs> so Callum LOFC, you mentioned Sergio Ramos, Paul. Callum LOFC says, who has been the toughest defender you've played against? Oh, that's a very good question, actually. Now I've got to get my thinking cap on. Um, <laughs> I thought the other one would have well, been the harder question, to be honest. The one that stands out to me would be... Uh, Kieran Tierney when he was at Celtic I um, was at Linfield and managed to play Celtic in a Champions League qualifier and I managed to play against Kieran Tierney and it was it was tough it was hard to beat he was quick he was sharp he kind of knew exactly what I was going to do but it was just an experience for me because I was 17 at the time and it was just a surreal moment so yeah I'd say Kieran Tierney yeah the Arsenal Arsenal defender um 
Chris W underscore one asks, what team do you support and what made you support that team? My team is Glasgow Celtic. I have my, my dad supported Celtic when he was young and it just stemmed through the family. Um, and that would be my boyhood club. Nice. Uh, but I always, I always have a Premier League team and that Premier League team would be Manchester United all because of my granddad. He used to sit in uh, Manchester United playing my granddad's room and, and it's just stuck ever since. George, best connection as well, I'm guessing, <clears throat> from your granddad. Of course, yeah. Yeah. of course and the Celtic connection would be Henrik Larsson he was one of my, my idols when he was younger yeah, oh, of course Celtic yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Great player. we had a question from a, a young listener Rachel who's actually your junior sponsor Paul and she uh, has put uh, forward to us a very interesting question and says what would Paul's favourite free course meal be it could be anything it doesn't have to go together necessarily so I guess Paul you get a uh, starter and a main and a dessert so in a perfect world what would you be picking Oh, that's amazing. Um, I would probably go... I'm, I'm a massive fan of wings. I'd probably go wings to start. Cause I'm, any restaurant I go to, I always make sure they have wings to start. <laughs> always. Are you a spicy wing man or you like them plain? Or yeah, yeah. I love a buffalo wing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would go probably a, a filet steak medium with triple cooked chips and peppercorn sauce. That's Ooh. one of my favourite meals. Very nice. And I'd probably go with a massive cheesecake because oh. I am a big, big cheesecake fan. Any restaurant I go to has to have cheesecake. If not, <laughs> we don't go anywhere here. So proper, that would be my, my three-course meal. <laughs> proper cheesecake, not the moussey stuff. The pr- proper cheesecake, right? Oh, I've oh. made, to be fair, my dad used to make cheesecakes and he'd give me his little recipe. So I'm when I'm feeling a cheesecake, mm. I make my own. And, and to be fair, it's like 95% biscuit and a little bit of cream. So... <laughs> Oh man, that is a perfect dinner for me as well, apart from the buffalo chicken. Uh, we won't keep you too much longer, Paul, but it's, it's evident how much you're enjoying your football and how much uh, <coughs> winning the league and getting promoted means to you. So, I mean, I guess what would a promotion medal round your neck mean to you come the end of the season? Massive, um, because I was part of the, the Leighton Orient team that, or sorry, Wickham team that got promoted as well to, to the championship and... It was one of the best feelings in the world, getting a medal put around your neck. Obviously, there was no fans there at the time, but it was just the, the feeling and the being around the boys and lifting that trophy was one of the best feelings I've had in football. So there's there's players on our team that have never experienced that. And it's just something I would love for everyone to experience in our team. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'll do everything I can and I know the boys will do everything they can to get to see the job done. Um, but yeah, it would mean the absolute world to me because again I would have another medal around my neck and it would be amazing to lift that trophy yeah that's what you all play for but only obviously very few can yeah. uh, can go up so that that's fair everyone chases that that buzz don't they of winning something um, do you have any superstitions Paul before you go on the pitch <clears throat> <laughs> you will not believe this I don't know if many people know but I've told a couple of people I am the most nervous man ever when it comes to football Honestly, on a Saturday, I cannot eat a thing because if I eat anything, it comes straight back up. <laughs> Before the game kicks off, I throw up all over the place. Wow. And it, there's like a certain time where I end up being sick and it's like literally, literally ritual. I can't stop it. I tried everything. I've tried sick tablets. I've tried the whole shebang, but nothing can keep food down or nothing can keep it down. It's just I just be sick um, and to stop that. I tend to pour water over my head, as you probably see. I'm soaking before the game even starts. That's just to kind of calm me down and get me back into the room. 
Did not wow. realise that. Glad so, we that question. So what do you do for energy then? Because obviously most players' pre-match meals are based around sort of slow-release energy, slow-releasing carbs, that kind of stuff, to obviously make sure that during the game they've got the energy, they're not hungry and that kind of So what, what do you do to mitigate that then? Throw anything down my stomach if I can, and if it comes back up then so be it. But at the time, if I do be sick, to be fair, I just take an energy, energy gel and then just keep my momentum going because I'm usually full of beans anyway and always lively and happy and running around like a headless chicken um, so I don't really lose much energy um, but yeah my superstition would be to pour water over my head so if you see again on Saturday for there on Saturday have a look at my shirt I will, yeah. I will watch starts. that now yeah. everyone's going to have their eyes on your, on your uh, shirt <laughs> Mr Smith on Saturday pre-kickoff <laughs> so I guess to finish up then Paul um you know, like we said, 37 games in, nine games left, or in our top of the table. It's an amazing place to be. What's your closing message to the Orient fans listening? Keep supporting, keep singing our name and keep backing us because having that momentum at home, especially away as well, is always a big boost to the boys. And I know the boys always talk about it in the changing room and the, the fans have been absolutely brilliant and, and singing the songs and then just having the backing of the boys. And I'd love for more songs to be sang more songs just to push and urge the boys on and it would always be amazing to hear brand new songs as well it's always the positivity that comes with it too because again when you play you want to hear your fans sing and you want to hear them sing songs and the more songs the better for us all because like you said you've got nine massive title games to go so hopefully the fans can back us and sing all the songs in the world and, and we can see the job just on that point then if you think of a song or you hear a song at a ground that you might be at that you want us to sing like do let us know because we can get that fed out to, to fellow fans and we can get that going. So just if you or the players hear something, just message us and, and we'll uh, see what we can do on that. But yeah, no, we'd, uh, we we obviously always want to be in good voice. Um, obviously, you know, largely dictated by what we see on the pitch, I guess, at times. But uh, no, we, we've had a tremendous season. A lot of that in part is down to your brilliance on the pitch and, and, and the team cohesion and Richie and, and just from top to bottom, we, we couldn't be prouder of where the club's at, what it's doing and the direction travel that we're taking. So thank you for giving up uh, this evening uh, for us. We're very grateful to you. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll let you go and uh, enjoy the rest of it. No, I appreciate it any time. I'm free whenever, so you can call me all the time if you want. All right, you, we've, we've got that live on the podcast. We can call Paul Smith at any time. Same time next week, lovely <laughs> stuff. Well, nine cup finals left, Paul. I'd love to see more Smith stunners in front of the South Stand. I'd love to see him anywhere, to be fair. I'd love to see that flip-flop come out nine more times this season and, and have a few more goals. But, mate, amazing season, and, and me and Paul really appreciate you coming on the podcast, buddy. No, thank you very much. Cheers, appreciate it. Cheers, Cheers guys. All Cheers, the best. Paul. See ya. Bye. Bye. So that was Paul Smith live on the Orient Outlook podcast. Lovely fella, some what great answers. And I'm absolutely chuffed we were able to bring him uh, on the podcast at this point in the season. So thank you to everyone at the club who's sorted that one out. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to give you players uh, on this podcast. So support club updates, two massive trips to tell you about. And coming up Friday, the 7th of April, which is a good Friday, we're going to Salford. This one kicks off at 3pm. Coaches are leaving Brisbane Road at half eight. They'll cost adults £42, concessions £39, and under 15s £21. That's followed up the following Saturday, the 15th of April. We're going to Sutton, this one a bit closer to home, kicking off at three o'clock. Coaches are leaving Brisbane Road at midday, 25 quid for adults. £22 for concessions and under 15s costing you £13. All children must be with an adult. And please remember these prices do not include your match day tickets. So to book for any of those trips, you can do that in the supporters club, pre or post match, 
or you can do so by calling the travel line on 07507 539 579. What, uh, two pieces of AOB for you this week. Uh, first up, there are sponsorship opportunities uh, to, support, to sponsor this very podcast next season. We'd love to hear from you if you have a business, an idea, a product you're trying to push. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, get in touch with us. You can DM us on Twitter. We're at Orient Outlook. You can email us. Uh, we are Orient Outlook at Outlook.com uh, or we're on uh, Facebook. Just search for us, Orient Outlook Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and likewise on Instagram, Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast. Uh, we have a variety of opportunities to suit your budget and to suit the kind of exposure that you're looking for. Um, so please, if you're interested in, in being a part of what we're creating here and getting players like Paul Smith on the podcast, and we've had the board and Richie and, and everyone and so yeah if you're interested in, in pushing your uh, solution your product your business trying to get uh, you know build that out then then we can probably help you with that and, and we have a pretty good reach on all levels of social media and also our listenership as well great stuff uh, second piece of AOB and a very sad piece of news into on Outlook podcast house this week as we were saddened to learn of the passing of Malcolm Sanson late last week he was a friend of ours and many will know Malcolm who travelled to away games with his son Daniel and the family. Really, really sad news. We wish yeah. all the family a long life and we send our condolences over to you. Very, very sad news that we're having we to do. bring you this week. Yeah. Um, so let's move on then to the week that was, the past week of news. Happy Monday, the 20th of March. We start the week off with a quiet day at the club. No news to report, so we'll move on. Yeah, to Huey Tuesday, the 21st of March. Things you love to see as Lawrence Vigaru and Idris El Mazzouni visited Malmesbury Primary School where they discussed the issue of discrimination in football with the students along with taking parts in PE. It must be great to have, you know, table-topping late Orient players, first-choice goalkeeper... And Idris, who's had an amazing season, come to your school. Imagine just Port Orient and Vix is there. Yeah, and Scott. Idris is there. Taking your PE lesson. amazing. Buzzing. Uh, as most will know, uh, Richie said there was a behind-closed-doors friendly against Southend United. That took place on Tuesday. Um, obviously getting valuable minutes in the legs of many players. And Orient, not that it's, it's incidental, but they won the game 5-2. Yeah. We don't know who played particularly, what formations or anything like that, but... The Orient team won 5-2. Yeah, very little details come out about that one, but good CDOs get a win in that yeah, one anyway. Absolutely. Vital minutes is more important. It was at the training ground, so that's why it was behind closed doors. Yeah, in the evening, there were three League 2 fixtures played, and the one all O's fans were keeping a close eye on was Bradford versus Carlisle. That game ended up being a goalless draw. That moved Carlisle into third place above Northampton on goal difference on 66 points, which meant that those two teams were both seven points behind the O's, having played one game more than us. So probably the best outcome we could hope for, yeah. a nil-nil draw for that That's one. exactly right. Wednesday the 22nd of March, Aaron Drinan, Ruel Sotiriu and Lenny Holden visited George Mitchell Primary School today to talk about their football inspirations and also they held a Q&A in the school hall before heading into the classroom for an anti-discrimination workshop. Great to see more work going on with the community yeah. and the players putting themselves out there. Really good. Thursday the 23rd of March in Welling United announced that Daniel Krumer had rejoined them on loan until the end of the season. So we wish Dan a massive good luck. Obviously, he was there earlier in the season. He was doing quite well, actually. Yeah, he, he got, got recalled, didn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah, he got, he got recalled. recalled. He ended up on the bench for like one or two games when we had a, a bit of an injury crisis up top. Obviously, never got on the pitch. Gone back to Welling after being heavily linked with Middlesbrough uh, and West Brom in the, in the most recent transfer window. So hopefully, Dan goes and gets some good experience at Welling, comes back in the season, ready to push on. 
maybe fight for a place in the squad. Yeah, things you love to see. At four o'clock, the club revealed their season ticket pricing for the 23-24 season with early bird pricing available until five o'clock on Friday, the 2nd of June. Mark uh, Devlin uh, said in the press release that we have had to increase our prices as we seek to continue to grow and move up the league, but also to meet the challenge of operating a football club in the current financial climate. I believe our prices are very competitive, keep football affordable, offer excellent value for money and provide exclusive benefits. Our existing season card holders, those who have already been on the journey with the club, have been rewarded with access to the best prices and we still offer fantastic value for families, especially in the community stand. Yeah, so once again, that early bird cut-off is 5pm Friday, 2nd of June. That's quite a saving from the actual price, the early bird prices. So make sure to renew by that date. So Friday the 24th of March in, quiet day at the club. Again, no news to report as we move on. Yep, Saturday the 25th of March. On this day, 43 years ago, <laughs> a legend was born. Uh, the man sitting to my left as we sit Richie here. Willett. So happy, <laughs> well, we're coming on to him. Happy birthday to my great friend of over 38 years, nearly wow. 40 years now. And my South Stand chum <clears throat> and yours, Mr. <clears throat> Stephen Espel. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you, mate. Hope you enjoyed Back to the Future and you had a great day. It was good apart from having COVID uh, in the week, Last week uh, yeah. which I'm now over. It was all good. Yeah, good show. Highly recommend. And I didn't tell you this, I had Alex Neil, Stoke manager, in front of me with his three kids and his really? missus. Yeah, obviously in London because there's no yeah, championship there's no football. Championship, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's only 41, Alex Neil, when I Googled he? him. He looks about 51. Round. Very yeah. tough paper round. So also <laughs> Sorry, on Saturday, yeah, like Alex Neil's <laughs> listening to the Orient Outlook, the under-18s were supposed to be in action on Saturday morning. They were <laughs> going meant to go to Newport County. Game was postponed due to the pitch conditions, so no fixture yesterday for the young O's. So the main event of the day was Hartlepool United. Before the game, as always, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought we'd get on uh, in this match. And after 361 votes, very healthy number there, the vote ended as follows. 10% were cynical enough to think that we would lose. 23% were right, thinking we would go for the draw. But an overwhelming 67% of that uh, poll, uh, people that... uh, Casted their votes, thought we would win. Absolutely. So very, thanks to everyone who did vote. Very Much confident fan base there. Yeah. As always. So 2 pm, team was announced with Vigaru in goal. Back four Brown, Beckles, Turns, and Sweeney. Midfield of Elmis, Pratley, and Monko with Smith, Satiriu, and Drynan making up the 11. On the bench, we had Byrne, Thompson, McCart, Hunt, Clay, Sadlier. And Charlie Kelman. Yeah, that's right. That meant there was one change to the starting lineup who drew it home to Colchester as Jordan Brown replaced Tom James, who wasn't even in the squad. Your thoughts on yesterday? Yeah, do you know what? I would have liked to have seen Sadly and Smith play yeah. on the wings. I, I thought Ruel, um, who was used, I think, in the pre-match interview and mentioned about getting his chance, which the club kind of highlighted, I thought that meant that Ruel might play actually in the middle because obviously Ruel hasn't been playing in the middle he's played on either side or as the 10 mm. so I had a feeling it would be Sadlier and Smith on either side of Royal, which I was quite excited about so yeah. when I saw obviously Sadlier on the bench and both Drynan and Satiri playing I thought oh it's going to be a bit disbalanced but obviously it's worked so well so far I think Brown at right back big call obviously Jordan Brown's not played in a long time um, Tom James completely out of the squad which makes me think he's injured I mean we're not going to play the post-match uh, this week but Tom James, as far as I recall, wasn't even mentioned in post-match. Asked if he was injured or where he was. So I presume he's injured because he wasn't in the squad. But maybe, it was a big talking point last week, maybe he's just he's dropped out of the squad. Um, 
All interestingly, looking at a bench, more defensive options and attacking options for the first time in a long time. Look at that, and it's only really Sadly and Kelman from a um, attacking perspective, because normally there's more attackers that you can bring in. So I mentioned that. Um, also thought we could miss Theo today. He looked a bit disbalanced up top without Theo last week, hoping he'd be back for this week. Didn't obviously happen. So confident in it, mm. but a few questions I thought. Mm. Needed asking this one yourself? Yeah, I don't disagree with what you say there. I think I would have probably, I forgot to do my fan hub, but I would have probably dropped out Drinnen and put in Kelman probably because although he's been arguably trying his best, it just hasn't worked for him and I think that Kelman would probably deserve an opportunity um, to, to be in the squad. For me, I was a bit sort of eyebrow raised about not seeing Tom James in there, but Jordan Brown makes sense to me because he's done well there. But yeah. actually, my thought process, as you were just speaking, was why is Adam Thompson not first choice to go in at right back, given how well he's done there? Yeah. I know he's a natural centre back. I know <coughs> arguably his probably favoured position isn't right back, but nor is Jordan Brown. So as a natural defender, and don't get me wrong, this isn't a disrespect to Jordan at all, uh, and I guess it's just shifting deck chairs around really on a uh, on a cruise ship, really, but um, ultimately, um, I-, I thought Adam would have been the replacement yeah. for Tom, and then you've got another midfielder on the bench, a utility midfielder who could either come in if we had a, a defensive reshuffle, yeah, reshuffle, but also someone who can come in um, and-, and do a job in midfield for us if if we needed that. Where's Tom James? Absolutely. What's happened there? Nothing about that. Where's Theo? I thought he might be back, but obviously his injured, injury yeah. is obviously worse than they first feared. And, and I think Richie said last week that it's a bit of an unusual injury. Well, he said in his post-match <clears throat> that Theo probably misses Carlisle. Um, so probably don't see Theo next week. And yeah. hopefully makes a week after. So whatever it is, which hasn't mm. been specified, is obviously a bit worse than what uh, we realised. Also good to see Ed turned in the eleven. Obviously he was supposed to go and play with Wells. In Spain against Colombia, so obviously they sweet the Welsh FA place, to say yeah. that he's going to be a bit off playing in this one. So yeah, not bad. I mean, we had a lot of views on this one. It seemed to be a lot of talking points through the squad. Grillers nineteen eighty five says James is dropped finally or a mysterious injury. Thompson can't get in over a midfielder though. Mm. Wonder if that's because of his role in Colchester's equaliser. Wilco three hundred said would have gone with Sadio on the left as he links up well with Sweeney and Ruel in ahead of Moncur as he gets around the pitch more. Yeah, interesting point there. Johnny Eppers said update needed on Theo. Meanwhile, Brown returning is a boost as he can ping a pass and give us some added stability. Concern that we don't seem to like playing Smith and Sadlier in the same eleven as I think the latter could be a great foil. For the former, it's very nicely put there, Mr. Eppers. It's like poetry in motion. Yeah, but it really is. Good point there. Sadly, but done really well when he was getting a run in the squad. When Smith was out, and it was sadly Archibald. Sadly, was having a really good run of games. Away to crew. Sadly, destroyed him. So yeah, a bit surprised to see sadly start. I must yeah, say. which is why I think that we were allowed to have Paul Smith out for a little bit longer and allow him the recovery exactly. time that he really <clears> genuinely <throat> needed because Kieran was doing very well in that position. So, yeah, great point. Better late than never said, I think Richie might have run out of patience with Tom James. He really is off form. I like Brown's energy. Hope he does well. Yeah, James O'Hagan tweeted us, said so many questions. Paul uh, messaged back, said, well, what do you mean? So James O'Hagan came back, said, where's James? Where's Theo? Where's McCartby? Why can't Sadly and Smith play at the same time? What's the difference between Coke and Pepsi? <laughs> Has Sarge left? And most importantly, how biased is Jeff Stenning going to be 
against us today. <laughs> yeah, definitely Coke. Has Sarge left? No. And uh, Jeff Stelling will be very biased. Len Chin Chin One said, a huge match for both clubs. Think today will highlight our depth of talent. Team position looks good and expect us to dominate most areas. Hartlepool are fighting to survive in League Two. We'll make this a tough game. Expect danger from Dan Kemp. We need a win or a draw. Yeah, so obviously Dan Kemp, XO on loan at Hartlepool, doing very That's well right, yeah. for the host. Last week on this one, Paul Skinner, 88. So this Saturday run fit or something. Why isn't he starting? So the match kicked off both teams needing the points for various different, well, for a variety of different reasons at different ends of the league table. And we started off well, forcing a corner in the second minute. And Ruel tried to beat the Hartlepool defence two minutes later, but the ball was ushered out for a goal kick. Certainly was. Let's fast forward into the 18th minute. It's George Moncur had a shot deflected wide in the 18th minute after some good work down the right from guest and friend of the podcast now, as I'll call him. <laughs> Absolutely. Paul Smith. <laughs> 22 minutes on the clock now. Aaron Drynan fired wide after a low set piece from George Mokoya found its way to him. Yeah, let's go to the 28th minute. And Jennings headed well wide from a Dan Kemp inswinger. And the O's won a quarter in the 38th minute. Jordan Brown took it, tried what looked like a pre-rehearsed routine as he looked for George Moncara on the edge of the box. Unfortunately, the ball got away from him and he couldn't get a shot away in the end. Yeah, and that was about it for the first half. One minute of additional time. Referee, who was making his EFL debut, brought the game, sorry, brought the half oh, to yeah. a close <laughs> with the scores goalless. So as you can tell, not much really occurring in the first half. Well, I think it's fair to say Orin did have the better of the first half, controlled the game. But we not really playing without. many chances. Exactly. But you can see Riggs has basically done absolutely nothing. Nor is their keeper. So, really. it's, yeah, it was a bit of a, like, we controlled it, but without really having anything eventful going on. Shrimpy underscore boy said, again, to that point, a bit of a nothing half that was. Yeah, popular 32 said, what is going on? Royal looks off the pace. And as for Drynan, you wouldn't think this was a side going for promotion. Attendance for this one was 5,102 with 502 Orient away fans Fair making play. that journey up there. And kudos to all of you who made it. That is a very early start. And five o'clock I saw people oh, taking pictures. And, and yeah. part of the central line was down from Leightonstone as well. So if you were getting the train, you'd have to make your way into the city and maybe have to take a, a bus replacement service to get in there. So, yeah, amazing, amazing away support. In. So the second half got underway. No changes for the O's at half-time. And two minutes into the second half, Paul Smith won the ball back in midfield. He played the ball to Aaron Drynan, but his shot from a wide <laughs> angle was well off the target. I mean, Drynan, there's going to be a lot of tweets on Drynan, so I'll probably leave my point on Drynan until... Yeah, I think he's time, just desperate to score. He's starting to scuff now. Little, yeah, little he's just snatching at, at, at shots that arguably he probably either could take an extra touch or, or pose oh, yeah. to someone in a better position. It's a shame. It's a shame. But we wish him, we want him to do well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, while he's in an orange shirt, obviously. But one minute later, we took the lead on the edge. Uh, or We took the lead... Um, Sorry, a minute later we took the lead. George Moncur found Paul Smith on the right-hand side, as Paul quite rightly said at the top of this very yes. show. He was just outside the area. He drove forward, cut inside his man onto his left foot, fired a low shot into the corner of Stolchik's, Stolichik's goal from just inside the air to make it 1-0, and that made it his 10th of the season. Your thoughts? Good goal. A nice really little good. pass from Idris to uh, Moncur. Moncur, done that a few times, just got the ball out wide very quickly. So obviously something they've worked on to the right-hand side, like Paul said, with the wing-back being so high up the pitch. That's what Paul Smith does, isn't it? That's yeah. what, what our mate does now. That's what our mate does. He literally <laughs> gets it. Yeah, good finish. I mean, there must have been a gap that he's still very low and he's just placed it into the corner. With his left foot as well. Good finish. At that point, you're thinking, right, we've seen this a couple of times now, <laughs> getting to the second half take the lead and then let's just see it out so when that goal went in I thought right 
lovely to see. Let's go and get a second, but good goal. Yeah, you? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Very high quality finish on his slightly weaker left foot as well. Makes it even more uh, more beautiful for me. So yeah, great. Yeah. Simple. It's a simple goal. There wasn't a lot of intricacy <coughs> to it at all. It's just moving the ball quickly, getting it into no, it's literally position. Ping ping, ping ping to Smith. And Done. like Paul said, the wing back was higher up, which means that he was in behind and only had a slightly less mobile a less mobile centre back to deal with, and it was fine. He took him right, cut to his left, bang, shot past the keeper. Yeah. Arguably, maybe the keeper could have done better, but I don't really care. Oh, I think it was. I, you know, I don't think many, many but... keepers are saving that. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. So, 50th minute, and we went looking for a second. Jordan Brown got the ball, drove forward unchallenged, had a shot well over the bar. And six minutes later, he went into the rest book. For time wasting in the fifty-six minute. Yeah, it took it took a bit too long, I think, to take a uh, throw in. I think it was uh, fifty-eight minutes on the clock. First time we mentioned in a Hartlepool effort is Amira, Josh Amira, one of the top scorers in the division at the moment. Surprisingly, had the beating of Ed Turns, but as he drove into the area, his shot went wide of the near post. He's a big old boy, Amira, and he obviously, is. Ed Turns against Amira doesn't didn't really look like the most fair battle. He doesn't look that much shorter, Ed, but. Omira's a chunky boy. He's a big, big He's lad. all up top. He's got skinny legs, but he's all up top. Yeah, a minute later, Idris fired worldwide with a first-time volley from just outside the area. Uh, and the hour Mark Ruel was booked for pulling back on Silla. Yeah, no, that's not... Uh, 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 that's S-Y-L-L-A. That's the, the guy's name. Not Silla. Not Silla Black or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a few bookings uh, in this one for the others. Yeah. Hartlepool made a change in the 65th minute. Worth mentioning, as McDonald came on, he made an instant impact. His shot stung Vigorous gloves as Vig's done well to turn the ball away for a corner. Yeah. It all started coming down their left that side. It, at that point. That's why we've mentioned that subject. Yeah. We don't normally care about yeah. Hartley, but opposition substitutions, but it is worth mentioning Big that because it on is the game. him that eventually has an impact on, on the outcome of the game. 67 minutes on the clock now. Richie Wellens has seen enough and wants to make his changes. Rob Hunt came on. He replaced Jordan Brown. That was because of McDonald. He said Correct. Post match. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why. That's yeah, why we've yeah. mentioned that. That's so well made. Uh, two minutes later, Omar Beckles went into the referee's book after he kicked the ball away out of frustration of giving away a free kick. I think he brought Kemp down. Yeah. Um, at there and out of frustration, whether he thought that was a free kick or not, he's kicked the ball away in the ref on his silly, EFL debut. Silly Omar. So now Omar Beckles is on. So that's Beckles, Beckles and Brown getting booked for like nothing. Literally time wasting, yes. kicking the ball away. Yeah, yeah triple yeah. sub for the Oslin in the 78th minute. As off came Paul Smith, Jaden Sweeney, and Aaron Dryman. They made way for Charlie Kelman, Kieran Sadlier, and Jamie McCart. Since Hartlepool had made a sub midway through the second half of so the McDonald uh, substitution, they've been more industrious. In the 80th minute, they ended up getting an equalising goal through Jennings as Ed Turns failed to deal with a long ball. As it bounced high, Amira capitalised, won the ball, and his low cross found a way past McCart quite easily actually and into the path of Jennings who turned his shot past Vigarou and into the far corner of the net to make it 1-1 now I was a bit apoplectic at this point <laughs> because I saw that and I thought Jamie McCart has done sweet nothing to deal with that properly he's literally tried to stick a leg out to try and block it with the outside of his foot somehow don't know what he was thinking or why he was thinking it I know I'm being uber critical but that was Poor defending. Granted, Ed Turns has made the mistake, okay, but in the second phase of that, you've got to do better. Like the mistake's been made. We're all in the box. We've got to do better. You can see Beckles come sliding in to try and stop it. That doesn't work. But ultimately, McCart is an experienced defender, uh, and for me, that was 
un- unacceptable. Yeah. Which I know sounds over the top, but that's the goal that's earned them that's stolen two points from us because we just don't we're not clinical enough in our box. Yeah, I mean it's it's defensively it's it's poor all over the place. I mean Etienne does make a mistake, but I still think if McCart cuts the ball out, we're, dealt we're not even talking about correct. it. Correct. We're not. It doesn't even come into our um, sphere of even talking about it. if the cross comes in and McCart puts his laces and through it, boots it, it out it for Rose. Absolutely. Yeah, really disappointing. It sometimes there's a few players where defensively who we've got and you go oh, actually on paper that's a brilliant signing who just don't turn out to be very good signings for Orient and unfortunately it's like Jamie McCart is another one like in a George Ray out of him. He's got a great history, Jamie McCart. Good age, good pedigree. Great on paper, yeah, absolutely. Sign him up all day. In principle, so far, he's had a terrible first two games, which we've lost. Got injured, been on the pitch for three minutes yesterday. Put his laces through a ball and not done anything with it, and then they've scored off the back of his error. So, yeah, you could see he kind of wanted the ground to eat him up. You can you could tell by the reaction when it goes in, and that was obviously the equalising goal. So let's go on with the rest of the game. Huge let off in in the 85th minute as Hartlepool had an effort that hit the post, and then shortly after hit the bar, so McDonald fired the ball across goal on the left-hand side again, which was all the trouble was coming down that flank. Vigoru was beaten, rooted to the spot, and the ball bounced back off the far post. And then two minutes later, a ball from the right was played in. Their number two got in acres of space. He pulled the ball back for Dan Kemp, and from close range, Dan Kemp struck the bar, and the ball went over. Really, Dan Kemp should have scored that. Very lucky to get away with that one. In the 86th minute, though, it was time for the final O-sub as George Monker made way and on came Craig Clay. And six minutes of time added on, played out, nothing further to report as the O's walked away with a point as the match finished one all. So Richie Wellens' interview is on the club website and uh, I think on YouTube as well, so you can uh, go and watch that there because of time, we're conscious of time here uh, and wrapping up to the, uh, this this match uh, we're not going to play Richie's interview, but thanks to Dave for sending it to us as well. It's worth watching because he does make quite uh, a lot of points. He explains the substitutions. He actually, um, and it's been highlighted a lot, but he actually kind of blames Sweeney for the goal. And you're like, mate, Sweeney wasn't even on the pitch when the goal was scored. He kind of digs out Sweeney. He has a bit of a go at Sadlia as well for not having the impact that Sadlia should have had. So yeah. he also gives a good update on Theo. And as always, he gives a very honest appraisal of the games. Yeah, six minutes, but well worth a watch on YouTube. On and it, is, website. it is interesting now that he has started to mention players and the negatives in their game that have caused us to be in a position that we're in at the end of a game. Now, look, at the grand scheme of it, we're still top of the league, but it's it's interesting because at the start of the season, it wasn't like that. Um, so there's a slight interesting turn in how Richie articulates what's what's going on. Don't get me wrong, love the insight, but I'm just Amazing. wondering whether or not that's helpful for the players that is being sort of publicly put out there in the public. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, we're grateful for the openness and the honesty and transparency from Absolutely. everybody at the club. So the league table, then that point means we are still top of League Two. We're now on 37 games. We've won 21 of those. Uh, drawn 11 and only lost five all season. So one in nine we're losing, which is unbelievable. Goal difference of 24 and we are now on 73 points. Also worth mentioning that Northampton beat Doncaster. They've now moved up into second place because Stevenage lost 3-1 at home to Salford gloriously and Carlisle lost 1-0 away to Gillingham in like the 94th minute so uh, that means that they all dropped so top of the league as it stands now top 5 yeah so we we are still top 37 played like we said 73 points Northampton who looked like they were going to fall out of it have gone up to second I think they've won 6 on the spin Northampton have now 
got 69 points, so they're four points behind the O's. However, they played a game more. Stevenage are in third, played 37, and I've got 67 points. So we're six points ahead of Stevenage. Stevenage seems to be falling off a bit of a cliff yeah. at the moment. Good. We thought after they beat us, they'd go and push on, but they've fallen right off Carlisle, who again looked like they were going to get promoted with us to be cruising. They've kind of had a bit of a tough time lately. They are now on 66 points, played 38. We're going to talk about Carlisle in a little bit as well, obviously, with next week's fixture coming up and Stockport a fifth you'd imagine Stockport won't go up automatically but you never know at the moment they've played 38 and sits on 63 points I do apologise we're on 74 points I made a mistake oh okay we're on 74 so we're averaging two points a game as Perfect. it stands apologies everybody I know people pick up on that so I just double check as they should as you should if you're listening yeah. out there. so Bearded Lejande your views on Hartlepool away I've got quite a lot of views because I was when I was writing ha. them which is straight after the game I was really frustrated at how that game ended because now it's back to back draws from winning positions so I'm actually annoyed I was actually quite annoyed that we've come away with a point having been the slightly better side another poor first half but Paul Smith's magic in the second half has made an absolute magic difference our mate. to us our mate Paul Smith um, was it necessary to bring Jamie McCart on we're if we were three or four up and cruising no problem get the guy competitive minutes I think he played Tuesday night against Southend. Great. Right, okay. uh, sorry, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. Day, yeah. So I think you got some minutes Good there. Good point, actually, yeah. But was it necessary when we're only 1-0 up and um, Hartlepool has slightly got the ascent, their tails up because you know they're gunning for it, this McDonald's made a bit of a difference. But surely it's madness at 1-0 if we're trying to get a second goal to kill the game to then bring on a player who's arguably ring rusty because he's not played in so yeah. long and he's just come back from injury. Um and obviously, you know, arguably, Ed Turns could have, should have done better to deal with that. He didn't. It happens. But like we said earlier, in the second phase of now, how do we deal with what's happened? We It just wasn't good enough. So I don't know what he was doing for that goal. Only he knows. And again, I know it sounds like I'm making a mountain out of a mole here. We're game 37 of the season. We just need points on the board now. However they come, playing Barcelona tippy-tappy football ha. or long balls, winning them... You know, because the pitches are all boggy and rubbish at the moment, whatever it is. But that Hartlepool substitution made a difference in a positive way. And ours seemed to have dampened our creativity because we weren't really that creative. And we seemed to sit back uh, a little bit too much. And, and they seemed to get their tails up. And they've then gone and hit the woodwork twice in separate situations. Yeah. You know, Dan Kemp hit, should've, the, hit Dan the crossbar. Should have scored that. Should have scored that. Their man's just hit the, just on the inside yeah. part of the of the of the far post and it's, it's luckily bounced out for us you know they're bottom at this stage of the season for a reason it's not an accident like it's not an accident that we're top so for me we should be taking max points against them regardless of the fact that they've got a new manager in And but I guess reading a Hartlepool tweet you know they've played better than their results they, suggested yeah they're not so, if you look at the form tape it's they've it, had it's, some draws it's a tough one yeah. you, look at the, you look at the league table and you go right Ginningham Colchester, Hartlepool to a lesser extent. Hartlepool they've only lost Hartlepool one in six. Yeah, they've drawn and lost last they've five. They've drawn, drawn five, their last five And games. they've had some difficult games last five. They went away to Bradford and got a two-all. They've had, some they good, they've had some good results. And Dan Kemp's obviously gone down well there. And they obviously are battling for their manager. You could see yeah. that in the performance yesterday. He's got them set up right. Yeah. So look, it sounds really dramatic. It's one game in isolation yeah. out of 37. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
Um, but thankfully, the results around us were favourable because Stevenage and Carlisle yeah. lost. We've still got a game in hand to play. But you know, to end on two positives here, we're still top of the league by five points, which if you'd have offered me at the start of the season, would have bitten your hand oh, off to be they? nine games yeah. to go and, and be in this position. It just shows you the quality of this league that everyone's having a wobble around us. And that's great. And we're averaging two points per game at this late stage of the season. Dream world, really, when you think about it. Yeah. That's me. Cool. You? I'm going to play devil's advocate. I really don't think it's the end of the world. No, I don't think that's devil's Did, advocate, though. Didn't lose, well, not to you, but to a <laughs> lot of people who are listening <laughs> Yeah. who will be raging. And everyone everyone can rage. I, you know, it's everyone's prerogative to have everyone's own view. True. Yeah. For me... It's all about the time of the season it is. There's going to be some freak results. Richie again said it's post-match. The teams are going to drop points where they shouldn't do and where they wouldn't earlier in the season. There's going to be some mental results. It's all about the pressure now, isn't it? It's all about... It's not about the performances. I couldn't care less how I want to play now. I just want them to get the three points. And if they don't, it's important not to lose. Like, you know, Forest Green today beat Sheffield Wednesday. They wouldn't have dreamed of Top versus that bottom. That wouldn't have happened. Ago, 10, yeah. That wouldn't have happened 10 games into the season. It would have been a routine win for Sheffield Wednesday. They're so close to the line... They're wobbling and Forest Green, freak result because they're so close to going and getting sucked under, they pull it out of the bag. That's going to happen in the league, so it's going to happen at all stages of football. So, yeah, although we've got great not to win, you know, we didn't lose and we've mm. got more points gained on Stevenage who lost and Carlisle who lost. Yeah, you can flip it and go, well, if we would have won the last two games, it's another four points. Yes, absolutely, but the world of football, unfortunately, um, doesn't work like that. No. And, you know, the start of the season was so strong and we took so so many points at the start of the season. It means at this point in the season you can draw four games in a row. Yes, admittedly, we should have won those four games or against lesser teams in the table. Yeah. However, when we pulled away by such a long margin, it means you can draw four games and still be five points ahead of the team in second place. Not lost in nine games. And as if well, we win on in Saturday, the bigger picture, haven't lost in nine games. If yeah. we win on Saturday, that will come to the gap between us and fourth gets huge. Yeah. So eleven points. Yeah, it, it would be if we win that. Yeah. I'm still very much of the uh, keep calm. Yeah. Don't panic. Yeah. And you pick. It's very easy, and I think we in a way encourage it for people to take a game by game view because we do this on a week by week basis. I still look at it as, okay, where are we at in the league table after playing 37? If you deserve to win the league, you'll finish top. Regardless so after of, 46 yeah. games, if you deserve to win the league, you'll be top. If we don't deserve to win the league, then we won't, won't win be, it. Yeah. If we deserve to get promoted... We'll get promoted. Then we'll get promoted. Uh, I always, I, I didn't used to look at it like that. Kent Teague is, is the one who's really... came this podcast enough times ago, we look at it in blocks, we look at it the way we take it. And that's the way fans have got to look at it. We've all got to look at it like that. Yes, we're all a bit frustrated. Yes, we should have been out of sight by now. We should have we should have had the trade wrapped up. However, we don't. Nobody wins League Two with nine games remaining. However, we haven't lost in nine games. Smith is still pulling worldies out of the bag. We're in a great position. You can ask mate. any other twenty three, our mate, yeah. yeah. So we can call him any time as well. <laughs> He's gonna regret that. Um, <laughs> nine games left. 23 other League 2 managers would love to play trade places with Richie Welland. Yeah. It's all gravy. Can I just add to what you're saying? Yeah. You're right, because at the end of the season, when we get promoted, you're not going to remember that we drew two games back-to-back for, and, and drew from winning positions. Some, some people will. Some people on social media are still talking about games from three years ago, which is fine, it's their prerogative. However, like I said, if we deserve to win the league, we'll win it. And if we don't and finish second... And I will absolutely tell you that all day. I've had people, my mates, say they'd be embarrassed to finish second. 
you be embarrassed and you stay at home when we go up, right? I'll be celebrating because seeing some ludicrous stuff. And when, like you said, anyone offered this before the season started, 37 games, you're going to be topped by five points. Would you take that? I'd say 99.9% yeah. of Orient fans would yeah, right. absolutely bit in your hand off. And there's 23 other managers that want to be where we are. So, exactly. yeah, that's fine. So those were our views. Great points made, Mr Nussbaum. Thank you, buddy. And uh, obviously, as always, we got probably a little bit more feedback on this ma- we after did. this match than we normally do. So thanks to everyone who sent their views into our social media accounts. And again, we're going to read out as many as we can. But just because we're reading them, it doesn't mean we agree with them. There's a lot of frustrated people that tweeted, which is kind of great in one respect, that people are, are, are responding straight after you get an authentic view. Not necessarily sure how people feel today, having slept on it and then woken up. But MS or... Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, we're a fan-led podcast, right? And we are lucky to have such a wide range and scope of views which we always encourage so yeah I think the tweets that we get in are always a feeling of the not all the fan base because I've never said that but a, a, an overwhelming view of the fan base comes in through the outlook I think you get a gist and you can get a gist of what feeling yeah. out there and I, I understand the gist and maybe yes tw- these are obviously straight after the game maybe 24 hours later people go actually that tweet wasn't quite right to yeah. say. My comments entirely were born out of annoyance and frustration and on the grand scheme of it, you step back a bit and yeah. it out, we're still top by five points. So MS Orion yeah. said, weak and pathetic yet again, Wellens has blown two points with his crazy substitutions. No way can you sugarcoat his mental decisions. This is not good enough. Hartlepool void all afternoon. We are top of the league and should be comfortable. Pour all over. Yeah, Ross McCaffrey said, I've never been bothered how we've gone up, but we seem determined on current form to throw a lead in individual games mm. and our lead at the top. We clearly need to rethink our game management. Yeah, Joe Jessner, 16, along the lines of MS Orin, said, I love Wellens as much as the rest of us, but the substitutions are becoming a constant issue. If your subs aren't going to strengthen the team, then don't bloom and make them. Uh, what made him think bringing McCart in that situation was a good idea? Stupid. Yeah, good point there. Joe Pabbitt, 0 0, this is a joke. Every time we gain a lead, we sit back and relax. Wellens made ridiculous subs and absolutely killed us. We should have lost that. These are the games we should be winning. There, that's where not bringing in enough reinforcements in January will kill us. Livid. Joe Pavitt not happy. Paul Gregory said, Richie hasn't got much wrong, but the subs today were shocking. It's a crawl towards promotion when we should be cruising. I like how that's worded. Yeah, that's worded very well. Yeah, right. As long as we crawl over the line or cruise over, however we do it, as long as we do it, that's great. Yeah, good point there. From Paul Orient underscore Edison, absolute rubbish. I'm very fortunate to get a point. Ruel keeps making the same mistakes. And their turns is now becoming a liability. And how on earth is McCart a footballer? The only plus was the goal. The Orient Express has hit the buffers again. Boggs Dollocks one said absolutely fuming. Made a conference bound team look like Real Madrid. Messing about, wasting time, and unnecessary substitutions again continue to cost us. Why was Sweeney taken off? He was in no trouble at all. Yeah, a few tweets along the lines there of Sweeney. David Ricard 80 said frustrating again, but a decent point given other results. Nine to go, a huge chance next week to really kick on. R. Coral, 1972, said, Unnecessary subs once again from Welland. So there's a bit of a theme with these with these views. Did he learn nothing from last week? Terrible January transfer window and a manager who at the moment can't motivate the players. 
I've got a bit of an eyebrow raise on that one. I don't think that's right. We look like a team who's in the bottom four, not someone who's top. Yeah, I think everyone... Respect we, your viewpoint, but I, I don't necessarily agree with the motivation. people with the subs point. are getting um, frustrated now because obviously last week's subs didn't yeah. go away and it's happened again this week. So obviously questioning the subs, which is a yeah. fair, fair uh, point to raise. The kid Sampson, oh, so Royal and Drynan gave the ball away literally every single time they touched it. Innumerable opportunities to create and we let Hartlepool off the hook time and again. Horrendous goal to give away and then we bottled it. Should have lost no personality in the side at the moment. Venomous 1983, it's a new one for me. So welcome to the podcast. Getting a bit sick of hearing we'll take a point. We're top and need to start acting like it. Yeah, another good tweet. The Dorset Vikings said we've chucked away four points in the last two games against teams at the bottom of the table. Really does seem like the team is stalling under pressure. Doesn't inspire much confidence for the Carlisle and the Salford games. Doing all they can to chuck the league at the moment. Dan Alton 2590 said it's the fourth game running where we've been in front and we've needed the final whistle to stop us from losing. One or two games is a blip. This is now a massive problem. Picked a wonderful time to forget how to see a game out and Rich has seemingly gone mad with these crazy subs. Fix up. Dan Orton, close to saying mini-crisis and said says massive problems. We're not even going to go there. Hashtag mini-crisis. Sunshine, LOFC says you could argue we got away with that. You could argue we threw it away. Disappointing. Les LK52 said, we haven't played well for ages and that was no champion's performance. At this rate, we'll be lucky to finish in the top three. We need to get Theo back quick and play Sadlier for Ruel, who had a mare today. But still, another point towards our target. Ewan Carter 24 says, appalling subs again, two weeks in a row. And our decision-making has cost us. They are second bottom of the league for a reason. Minus 26 goal difference. And we made them look like Real Madrid. Unacceptable. Gareth JM said, "Massive wasted opportunity. Performance in the in the last half hour was appalling. Every single sub made us worse. Someone buy McCart a one way ticket back to Rotherham." Dave Brew four seven nine seven six nine one one said, "The good news is Stephen and Carlisle lost. So could we? So a point isn't a disaster. But next weekend is huge. O's for Carlisle, Northampton for Stevenage. That's going to be some game. That one. Yeah. We're limping over." The line big time. I mean, next weekend, obviously, we'll come to, but obviously, first versus fourth and second versus third. So, points are going to be dropped by two of those teams next week. Yeah. At some, some yeah, absolutely. It's getting tasty. John maybe Stockport, sorry, maybe Stockport could go in and, and nick it because I, I said uh, about five minutes ago, I can't see Stockport getting in there, but obviously, if results go their way on Saturday, Stockport could. They can't They can't break the top Not three. Not on Saturday, but they, but could, they, they can, could get much closer to they it. They can yeah. be within spitting Maybe. distance of it. Absolutely. Squeaky bum. Squeaky bum time for them. John W999 said, that was horrible to watch in the end. Remarkably, we're one point better off for automatic promotion, which is true. We became very passive going a goal up in recent weeks, and at 1-0, you're only a mistake one mistake from a disaster. All forgotten if we win next week. On the positive front, if we beat Carlisle next week, we're 11 points clear of fourth in all probability. Plus, we're nine unbeaten. Great point there. Beat Carlisle 11 points clear of fourth with eight yeah. games left, if that's the way results go. Ian Hutchison and 08 said, respect the points away from home, closer to the finish line, and other results, all apart from Northampton, have been kind to us. Anyone think three subs in one go is upsetting the team too much and it takes players too long to get up to the speed of the game, but then again, who am I to question Richie? Vince Howard, 73, said, Bizarre subs by Richie. Why play a left-back on the right when Tomo is on the bench? Why play a centre-half at left-back when Hunt could have just replaced Sweeney? Yet again, our subs benefited the opposition. Yeah, well worded there from Vince. Well yeah. broken down there. Stephen LOFC, NUFC, said, Obviously, massively frustrating, but I thought one positive was that Moncur looked like he's getting back to his best. He's done well. He's kind of spreading it? the ball out. Yeah. Obviously gets an assist for us. 
our mate Paul Smith's goal yesterday. <laughs> LOFC1978 said, needs to change the mentality of the side and quick. Respect the point is possibly the most ridiculous saying on football, in football and it's certainly ridiculous to say against today's opponents. Where's the spark gone? Lack of confidence creeping in to hold onto a lead. It's worrying. Run, Samson 15. So we're struggling now. No disguising this. As soon as Hartley put up the tempo, we were hanging on for dear life. The woodwork saved us twice within 30 seconds. And as I say, we're struggling. Today's opponents have let in 67 goals, yet we could only score one. And they are going down. TX Trev said, if you don't bet the manager in January, this is what happens. The board seriously need to look at the way we recruit players next season, otherwise we'll come straight back down. Steve, the F1 said, the positive was that Smith looked back to his best. Hope he's still fit, because we need his goals. There's no other threat up front without Theo, and we've lost the ability to see our games out. Lucky to get the point, and that other results went our way. Yeah, A. Cowan4676 said, watched on the stream, take a point considering the finish. We have relied on moments of magic a lot this season. And we got one today. However, individual decision-making is poor in attack and defence currently. I thought the substitutions made sense, except McCart. But our president said, lucked out with results around us, but once again, too negative. When will we learn gamesmanship at 1-0 up? will only come back to bite you in the bum. I'm also starting to worry about the amount of yellow cards we're getting for time-wasting. We need all of our players available. Rayleigh Dave said, we're so, so lucky. We are terrible at the moment. And as much as I value Richie Wellens, he makes the same mistake by making too many subs at the same time. The team loses all shape and momentum. It's two weeks running now. We didn't deserve anything, but the point could be so valuable. Good tweet there. Very good tweet. Yeah. Terry.com said, obviously, Richie Wellens is credit in the bank, mm. but those subs have cost us. Sweeney had been okay. And I thought Brown had a decent game considering no covering midfielder. It's a point that obviously Smith alluded to as well, where obviously he was getting further forward, so Brown had no one covering him. Can't change 30% of a side at once and expect cohesion. Yeah, Orient Fan TV said, can understand fans' frustration after recent performances, and rightly so, but we're late in Orient and we always do things the hard way. Luckily, it seems that other teams are not taking advantage of our iffy performances. Nine more games left with Carlisle up next. Let's do this. I think it's also pertinent to add that other teams are having their blips and this is just League league 2 life. Look, if we were like Stephen, who seems to be losing games now and kind of falling behind, it'd be more concerning, but we're not like... I'm beating a nine and still have won most of those if you look at it as a nine and mm. not as the last four. So interesting. Now, Davy Bear says, I kind of understand the communal moaning on Twitter. We are five points clear with a game in hand, for God's sake. Yeah, Ve- Veggie Jones said, at this stage of the season, most teams are fighting for something and not many games are easy. To be nine unbeaten is a decent run at the back end of a season. This has been and continues to be an incredible season. It's a shame about the melts giving the team a hard time. Composite <laughs> there. Says, how does McCart get on ahead of Tomo and Shad? I mean, we've not even mentioned Ogie. We it's felt- a fair point. It's a, it's a fair point. How does he get on ahead of a fit Adam Thompson and Shadrach Ogie, who is arguably a left centre-back but plays well at left-back? Yeah, mate, many percent. This time last year, Shad was... First team, one of the first names on the team sheet. Right. Can't even get in the squad. We fell to pieces as soon as McCart came on. Eight points chucked away now in the last four games, and it's only because the teams below us keep dropping points that we still have a gap. So this is just the league. That's just how the league is. People right. drop points yeah. at the most important times of the season. Paul Red Rum said, "What happened to our possession-based football since the turn of the year? If we're still playing that way, there's no way the last four games would have ended in draws." And surely Smith should have played on the right-hand side and Sadler on the left. That is so balanced. Just to pick up on that, I think it's because Richie said in a... I don't think it was the last game, but the one before, that we've been found, found out, out yeah. and we're altering and we're trying different systems, which is probably why we might be seeing the results that we're seeing. But also, 
I think the reason to your point about Smith should have played on the right and Sadio on the left is because he plays with inverted wingers, so they have to cut in. Yeah, it makes the pitch it. narrow. It makes it narrower and it pulls defenders in and out. That's like how he likes. So that's how he likes to play. Hopefully, I'm right, Paul. Um, but if I'm not, um, maybe someone at the in the, <laughs> in the staff can correct me. <laughs> Billy Ree, nineteen eighty nine, very disappointing result. But it's not Dryden's fault. He's not had a good season, but he isn't a bad player. He's just low on confidence, and fans getting on his back isn't doing anything mm. to help. He was good last season, and I reckon he will come good again next season. So obviously, Dryden getting a lot, a lot of criticism after the game. Not many on our timeline, but lots of tweets out there. So uh, Billy sticking up for uh, Mr. Dryden. Yeah, Ollie Folly Bolly uh, said, "All aboard HMS Orient meltdown. It's a frust- it's frustrating, and it wasn't pretty. But come on, chats, we're still in a healthy position. The way rivals are fought proves this isn't going to be a stroll." Yeah, Bendy Bollard didn't go watch it, but a huge point with Carlisle losing, and again goes on to say, "Beat them next Saturday, eleven points clear of fourth with a game in hand and superior goal difference. We are so close." Wiggy underscore cut said definitely crawling towards the line like we did in the National League and how Forest Green went up, which hasn't gone well for them. If we go up, which I think we will, got to have a realisation to how weak our squad is. If we go up thinking we have enough, then relegation is inevitable. Let's just go up first, Wiggy, which yeah. I'm sure we will do. Gary Talbot 7 said I was more panicked when we got Tom DeStevenage winning a dire run of form yeah. that I am today. Good point. If you ever offered me this position after the 21st of January, I would have bitten your hand off. Nine games to play. Spot on. Good Our point. Three five three nine nine. So we haven't played well since January. This is not a freak result. The lack of investment in January and the signing utter rubbish. Stroke being arrogant enough to believe we don't need a striker because our current strikers are all worse than useless. Getting very worried. Very concerned, Alb. Stortford O and the penultimate tweet in this one said subs have killed us, but our nerve had gone well before that. Slowing the game down. And uh, Housery, as soon as we scored, uh, struggling. Go on and win it, playing positively. A hard watch, but I have to be pleased with the point in the end. So this is the final word this week. It goes to Casey Adams, LOFC. And we've obviously read a lot of tweets, uh, a lot of themes running through them, but a lot of great points um, that have come in. So thanks to everyone. But Casey, you've got the last word this week. And it says, would have taken a point beforehand today, gutted to let another lead slip, but other results around us have gone our way. Next weekend is as big as it gets. Just don't lose. Yeah, so some wonderful tweets there. So a lot about the substitutions, a lot about McCart, obviously, a lot about not investing in January, a lot about the strikers, and hopefully that gives everyone a feel of the mood at full time yesterday. But let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets we've read out. Those are all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook, and we've not even read half of what came in and still going on down our timeline. So thanks to everyone who engages and continues to engage. You can give us a follow or tweets at Orient Outlook. You can find us on email at orientoutlook.com. You can give us a Facebook message, uh, Orient Outlook Podcast, or you can find us at Instagram at orient underscore outlook underscore podcast. And that wraps up uh, that game. Only left for us to cover on that, though, is the Town and Country Harlow Prediction League. We have an update on that for you. They're covering London, Essex, and Hertfordshire. Town and Country Harlow are run by two Orient season to get. Uh, holders and fans with the podcast they've helped dozens of people move home the best bit for them uh, or the best bit for for people listening is they offer all orient fans and staff a discount off their already competitive fee so if you are thinking of selling you're just curious what your house is worth save yourself a few quid quite a few quid in their in their terms because obviously fees are usually in the four figures uh, keep it in the orient family give them a call 01279 
8444 or you can call Charlie Paul on 07528471497. Call contact them on Twitter at T and C Harlow or Charlie is on Twitter as well, Charlie underscore Paul. Yeah, so a few correct predictions. Well done to Ian Hutchison, 08, Floodgates, Dummy Bear, Brooksco2, Wallerad, Nick underscore Clark99, Alex RC077, Chris W underscore 1, Len Chinchin1, who all predicted one all and get three points. But we had two uh, guys who took max points yesterday. So well done to Les LK52 and Stephen Oyen, who said one all and Smith to score, taking the maximum, which means the top of the prediction league is led by that tall O's fan at 34 points. In second place, on 26 points, we've got O's fan basing, 25 points, Nick underscore Clark 99. So he moves into third place following yesterday. He's joined now with Steve Chaplin 4. And on 24 points, again, one of yesterday's winners, Ian Hutchison, 0-8. So thanks to everyone who predicted. There's nine games left, hopefully at the top of the table. There's more uh, changes to come from that. Yep, so let's move on then to Sunday the 26th of March. It was your 43rd birthday yesterday and it was Richie Wellens, the gaffer Richie Wellens' 43rd birthday today. So happy birthday, gaffer. It was also Super Mikko Arteta's birthday. There's so many uh, things going on today. Is it really? How old is it? With Arteta, oh God knows, I don't think he's 43 though. But yeah, I'm one day older than Wellens, which I love. Also today, the ladies team were due to be in action against Actonians Thirds at Brisbane Road. But due to the weather conditions on the playing surface, and obviously the Arsenal-Tottenham ladies match took place yesterday, the game of today was postponed with the rearranged fixture date to be announced in due course. So obviously we'll bring news that one when that gets a new date. Mikel Arteta is 41. Let's wrap this up then as we are now at hour 20. Uh, Fantasy football, uh, Stuart Coleman is currently sitting at the peak of the Orient Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League on 1,866 points. Daniel Clark, two new names for me there, is 11 points behind on 1,855. Steve is still around 221st place out of 355. That's obviously levelled out now from last week's games. Obviously, it's international break, so that won't change this week, uh, sorry, over the coming week. Yeah, so we'll bring true. you an update next week. All right, so positives and negatives in. So, Mr. Levy, I think I've done positives yeah. last week, so down to you this week, so let's have them. As previously mentioned, we are nine unbeaten, which is a, a tremendous record. Uh, our guest earlier today, Paul Smith, is now on 10 go- uh, goals for this season, and it is Smith. We, we need to stop saying Smythe. Um, <laughs> and obviously, and while, like we've always said, while we are there, and this will be a positive, we are still top of EFL League 2. So lots to be positive Absolutely. about at the moment. So negatives. So this week we've got three negatives as well. First up, Theo's injury. So like we said earlier, it looks like he's going to miss Carlisle unless Richie is uh, playing uh, a misleading game, which hopefully he is, but it doesn't look like Theo at this point is playing next week. Second all, two points drop <coughs> from a winning position. So we make that eight points drop from the last four, as yeah. I alluded to in an earlier tweet. And the third negative one we can't really ignore is Richie's subs for the second week running seem to have had uh, overall not the best impact, a negative impact, I think it's probably yeah. fair to say on the team. So three positives and three negatives. Yep, so let's move on then to the Town and Country Hero of the Week. And it was a unanimous decision. Uh, we didn't put it out to vote because it was just a unanimous decision. And it, Well, it was unanimous and we kind of knew who we were going to give it to anyway. And there won't be any surprise once we announce it. So let's do the old drum roll. <laughs> it's our good friend, it's my best friend. It's Paul Smith. Well done, Paul. <laughs> 
Well done. EFL Player of the Season in waiting. Absolutely. Great goals. Great lad as well. First time, obviously. Appreciate uh, it. Meeting yeah. him. So next week's fixtures in, as we've alluded to, just the one fixture for the O's. Massive one. As we welcome Carlisle United to Brisbane Road on Saturday, the 1st of April. So Carlisle are up there. They're fourth in League Two. As mentioned earlier, they lost 1-0 away at Jenningham in the 94th minute. Their form over the last six isn't too bad. 1-3, drawn two. Lost one. I mean, I'm not seeing the football league, so I don't know if they batted Jenny and were just unlucky or they just didn't play well and lost the last minute don't goal. Think but they did. They've not been too bad at all. Like I yeah. said, massive game, a sellout at Brisbane Road. Win that and we go 11 clear in the Off automatic there. promotion yep. places with eight to go. It's a huge game. Like Paul Smith said, important to get there, sing, get yep. behind the team, which we've been doing anyway, to be fair. Yeah, I think so. Uh, massive think game. Just to add context to that, the three that they did win were games one, two, and three out of the last six. So the last one they lost, and the two oh, prior to that okay. they drew. Just so they haven't won in three, if you look at it that way. Do you know what? It's, it'd be interesting to see how many away fans they bring. I know we've sold out the home end, but obviously Carlisle is an absolute mission. They're not the biggest club. I think historically they haven't bought that many to Brisbane Road. They've got a London. They've got a London fan group. Interesting to see how, how, how much they it. fill out. Yeah. As much as it's a big game for us, if you think if they lose, it will put them further behind. So it won't be, in, it, it won't be, be high, high, high hundreds, I don't should think. should be a lively atmosphere, I'd say, on Saturday. You'd like to think so. Yeah. So a sponsorship reminder, don't forget to get in touch uh, with John and the fantastic team of experienced florists at Carol Langley Florist. Call 0208. 529-4130 or you can contact them on social media it's Carol Langley E4 or at Essex Biz on Twitter they're also on Instagram go to their page Carol Langley Florist that's Carol with an E on the end and they're also on Facebook just search Carol Langley Florist absolutely so that is it thanks for joining us for episode 315 and on one hand it's another frustrating result for the O's having taken the lead in a game we should have seen that and one whilst on the other hand another point gained and we're still top and clear by five points with a game in hand and other results going our way at the weekend. So next week, we expect a tough test as Carlisle United are in town, have been in good form and will not be a pushover. And the O's will need to be at it from the first whistle to the last and ensure we get all three points, which hopefully we'll be talking about and celebrating about in our next episode. Absolutely. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give our podcast a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're also on Smart Speakers, the Fan Hub app. So listening to this podcast has got even easier. It couldn't be easier to listen. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, a friend, someone who's got a passing interest who in Leighton Orient who you think would be interested in hearing what's gone on at the club, grab their phone, help them, download it for them and pass the pod. So a massive thank you once again to Paul Smith for coming on the podcast. Absolute pleasure to have him on for the first time. Massive thank you to the club. So Luke, Tom, thank you for helping us to get Paul Smith on the podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed that interview. It's not over yet as we'll be back with episode 316 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We'll look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.